0: Hello, my name is Tim from the Owl and Badger podcast and we wanted to offer you something a little different to sit alongside our main podcast series. And what we wanted to do was to share with you an occasional Bible message to hopefully encourage and spur you on. So today I wanted to share with you a short message that I have actually preached uh, a couple of times before but I believe is increasingly relevant and I hope and pray that you will be drawn closer to God as we examine his word now. It's probably not escaped you, even in these somewhat turbulent times, that Christmas is just around the corner. The closer it gets, the more I realise that there is still a huge amount to do. In fact, I have a list and I'd like to share some of it with you now. I've got finish buying presents for the boys' stockings. Delegate the writing and delivery of Christmas cards to the neighbours. Make the Christmas pudding. Plan all the meals. Sort out the Christmas food shop before the shops run out of food. Ice and decorate the Christmas cake. Magically find more room in the very small freezer. Hang the mistletoe. And buy a present for Tim. Actually, I should confess, this is my wife's list, not mine. To be honest, I don't think I even have a list. Perhaps that's a good thing because, truth be told, I can sometimes get a bit grumpy about Christmas. Of course, it's not the celebration of Jesus' birth that troubles me. That's really what it's all about, isn't it? It's more the way our culture has been allowed to push Jesus out of the picture. He's been replaced with slickly produced advertising, selling an out-of-reach lifestyle, over-the-top debt-fueled materialism. And perhaps, worst of all, but quite subtle, the idea that we are all in this together and we can sort out our problems without God. The baby placed in a manger 2,000 years ago is lucky to get a look in these days. And it got me thinking, whilst it's important and wonderful to look back at that first Advent, is there another Advent that we could be looking forward to? And the answer to that is yes, there is. So as we are in the middle of celebrating Advent 1.0, I'd like to spend a few minutes looking at Advent 2.0, or more accurately, the return of Jesus. You see, the further in time we move away from Advent 1.0, the closer we get to Advent 2.0. The reality of Jesus' return is drawing closer and closer, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, and your Bible has much to say on the subject too. Did you know one out of every 30 verses in the Bible mentions Christ's return at the end of time? Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, there are over 300 references to the return of Christ. 23 of the 27 New Testament books mention Christ's return. In the Old Testament, Job, Moses, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel and many of the minor prophets mentions Christ's return. Jesus himself specifically spoke about his return. The Bible teaches it, the Lord Jesus confirmed it, the apostles believed and taught it. The fact is, for you listening to this right now, you are the closest anyone has ever been in the history of the world to the return of Christ. So if any generation should be considering the importance of Jesus coming back, it's safe to say it probably should be us. So as we draw ever close to Christmas, I'd like to look at 1 Thessalonians um, chapter uh, 5. And I want to draw out uh, from this passage three reasons why we should be getting ready for Advent 2.0, the return of Jesus, the return of the King. So my first reason is that we should get ourselves ready because we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are a people of hope. And I want to look at um, actually verse, uh, cha- uh, chapter 4 verses 13 to 15, which say this sleep. The Apostle Paul, who was the writer of this letter to the Thessalonians, had emphasised the return of Jesus to them earlier in the letter. However, it seems that whilst the Thessalonians were strong in faith and love, they were weak in hope. And maybe this was down to the Greek attitude to death. A Greek poet called Theocrates wrote this, There is hope for those who are alive, but those who have died are without hope. That's pretty depressing, isn't it? Yet that would have been a prevailing attitude of the day, encouraging people to live for the moment as if this life is all there is. So in these verses 13 to 18, Paul addresses their concern with an amazing countercultural claim that for the Christian, death is not the end because Jesus not only died and rose again, as we see in verse 14, but he is coming back for those who have put their trust in him, as we see in verse 15 whether they are alive or dead at his return. That would have been a great relief to the Thessalonians as they were worried that they needed to remain alive until Jesus returned. That would be quite a pressure I think. Just as the Thessalonians had to contend with the contrasting views of their culture, we have to do the same today, don't we? In 21st century Britain, life has become all about the moment, the here and now, this pervasive idea that this is all there is, that the only hope we have is found in ourselves. Our culture has not really moved on very far from the Greeks, has it? Or the ancient Greeks, I should say. I'm sure that you will have heard of Greta Thunberg, who said this, well, I'm telling you there is hope. I have seen it. But it does not come from governments or corporations. It comes from the people. Now, Greta is right that there is hope, but she's completely wrong about where that hope comes from. This is why Advent 2.0 is so exciting. Because we have the message of hope. The only means of rescue, of restoration, of salvation that is only found in Jesus Christ, who is coming back. You see, hope is about the future. You don't hope for what you already have, do you? This is why, for the follower of Jesus, we are to be a people of hope. Advent 2.0 people who are getting ready. Perhaps uh, you're listening to this and you have uh, children or young people who are at school or college, or perhaps you yourself are at college. The modern educational establishment is certainly one of the places where the lie that hope is only found in you is propagated. It's this idea that you are the solution to the world's problems, that this life is it. It's all there is and everything will be dependent on you. That's a tremendous pressure if you're at school to feel that or if you have children at school or college, that's a tremendous pressure on them. But what's more is that it's a lie. So I'd say don't believe that lie. You see if you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ then hope does not rest with you but with him in what he's done. That's a relief isn't it? That's good news. What's more is that Jesus is coming back and when he does he will restore all things and ultimately our Bibles tell us that we are looking to a new heaven and a new earth. This truth that is a great antidote to the message of our culture that wants you to be anxious, to be alarmed, but because of Jesus you don't need to be. And I want to encourage you today to try and allow that truth to sink in. I think there is a tendency to put our hope in institutions or in government, perhaps especially in this economic Um, meltdown for want of a better word that we find ourselves in we hope don't we that somewhere someone will do something to change things perhaps this is a wake-up call for us as Christians to realign ourselves with the truth that real lasting hope is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ and it's up to us to be proclaiming this hope that we have to be sharing that good news I hope that many of you will have some time off this Christmas, if you're listening to this before Christmas, that is. And if so, maybe this could be an opportunity to take stock, to ask yourself where your hope is found, especially as you look ahead to 2023. And this is why verse 14 is wonderful, because it tells us that Jesus is alive today. And verse 14 says, I'll read it again. It says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Jesus is no longer in the manger. He's no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the tomb. Instead, he's alive right now. He's the king of kings and he is coming back like Paul says, we are not to be ignorant of this amazing truth, but rather we have this opportunity to allow this hope to permeate our souls. So let's get ready because we are to be a people of hope. That's my first point. The second point is that we get ready because those who really know Jesus get themselves ready. How well you know someone will have a bearing on how seriously you take them, on how much attention you pay to what they say. And this is never truer than with the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark thirteen thirty two to 33 says this. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, but only the father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Jesus says something that we find mirrored here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-3, because that was Jesus speaking Mark. And in Thessalonians 5, 1-3, it says this. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Not only were the Thessalonians concerned about what happens to those who die before Jesus' return, but they knew something of the nature about the return of Jesus. And here in verses 1-3 to 3 of chapter 5 in 1 Thessalonians, we have a thief and a pregnant woman. I guess these aren't your everyday analogies, are they? And why a thief? Well, because the return of Jesus will be at a time when people do not expect it. And let me be clear, this is not talking about Christians not expecting Jesus. This is talking about those who don't know Jesus and how they will be surprised by his return. And secondly, we have this analogy of a pregnant woman, don't we? What's one of the most common questions asked to a lady who's pregnant? It's when is is your baby due? People can see clearly that the lady is pregnant and the signs are there leading to the question of when the baby is going to make an appearance. So we have this glimpse at a parallel to Jesus' return. The sign of his imminent return will be there and as such we should not be surprised when Jesus comes back. Yet sadly many will be taken by surprise just as when the pain of labour suddenly kicks in. In fact, if you read uh, Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, he gives them further reassurances about the genuine signs pointing to Jesus' return because the believers were concerned that they might miss it. For you and me, we know Jesus is coming back. Whilst we don't know precisely when that will be, there will be signs of his coming and as such we should be a people of readiness. So I want to suggest to you that the prospect of Jesus coming back should have a direct impact on how you and I live our lives. Let's carry on and look at verses 4 to 5 in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, which say this, But you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. See, I want to suggest to you, I want to go a bit further here and put it to you that our watchfulness and our readiness is a pointer to the authenticity of our claim to be followers of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus is to live in the light and to be making ourselves ready for his return, to be living in a state of readiness. I don't know about you, obviously, but there have certainly been times in my life where I have been seeking assurance that I am truly saved. Firstly, I think it's normal to have times when you might ask yourself, am I truly a follower of Jesus? Do I really belong to him? It's good to examine ourselves in this area. However, we may find that we have an ongoing craving for assurance that we belong to God. It could be that you made a commitment to follow Jesus, 30 years ago and whilst that was a significant moment in your life you find yourself trying to pin your assurance on that moment. In the front of my bible I have a piece of paper sellotaped in and uh, it's a reminder of, of when I made a public confession of my faith and there's no doubt at all that for me this was a significant moment in my life. But if I place the basis of my assurance in Christ on that moment 25 years ago, then I'm in big trouble. The question I need to ask myself is this. Am I still trusting in, living for, obeying Jesus Christ today? That's where my assurance comes from. The fact that I'm still on that narrow path. And yes, there will be times of slipping, of messing up, But the key is whether my trust is in my Lord and Saviour today and am I expecting him to return? So a question I can ask myself is this, is there evidence in my life that I am getting ready for Jesus' return? Let's go back to Thessalonians and read uh, verses five to six which say you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. If you've put your trust in what Jesus has done for you on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin, then you no longer belong to the darkness. That's amazing news, isn't it? We now belong to the kingdom of light, God's kingdom. Verse 6 tells us that we are to be alert, to be self-controlled practically speaking this means we're to be examining our own lives asking is this thing that I allow in my life is it good is it honoring is it helping me to get ready for Jesus coming back and there's a good opportunity over Christmas to practically apply this to our lives and this is a challenge I find this a challenge for example what we watch on tv on the Christmas break there's loads of stuff on isn't there and even more so now with all the options for streaming different things what we allow into our minds via Netflix or Prime or Apple TV is really important to consider. Yes, the storyline might be great, the production values out of this world, but can I justify watching gratuitous sex or violence right when I profess to be part of the Kingdom of Light? Is that compatible? Or to put it another way, ask the question is this thing that I'm allowing into my mind, is that helping me get ready for Jesus' return? So can I encourage you to examine your life in terms of what you allow into it and view that through the truth that if you follow Jesus then you no longer belong to the night but to the day. Following Jesus should impact how we live, shouldn't it? And getting ready for the return of Jesus, I think, can be summed up well if we go back to the beginning of chapter 4 in 1 Thessalonians in verse 3, which says this, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Sanctification. These are uh, two words, they've got sanctification and justification. They are two words that are really helpful as followers of Jesus to understand. One word like I say is justification which is to be without blame and this is only made possible when we put our faith in what Jesus did on the cross for us and when we do that we are justified by faith. We are no longer under God's wrath and this other word that we see here in uh, chapter 4 verse 3 is sanctification and sanctification is to be without fault. And we read that it's God's will that we should be sanctified, that is, to be without fault. And as follows of Jesus, this work of sanctification is a lifelong process. And it's an amazing work of the Holy Spirit. I know I won't attain perfection in this life, but my eyes should be on the future time when I will be made perfect, when my salvation is complete with the return of Christ. It's our chance to live in order to please God. So then we go back to verse eight and we see some um, uh, characteristics of sanctification. So it says, since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Being self-controlled, sober-minded, as some translations put it. This is you know, this isn't describing a humorless, humorless doer kind of eor type person. It's so easy to think like that, isn't it? No, being self-controlled is to understand the true value of things. To not be excited about the things of this world, but to get excited about Jesus instead. To consider the truth of who Jesus is, what he has done, what he has calls us to, and what he is going to do, and allowing this truth to sink in. And I really pray that this truth can soften us to God's will for us to be sanctified. But why is all this important? It's because Jesus is coming back and he's coming back for his church and he's expecting you and me to take this command to be sanctified seriously. There's loads of great goodness here in 1 Thessalonians and I would strongly encourage you to to look at this for yourself. Have a Uh, maybe put some time aside to to reread these verses and allow God to speak to you as you do. So if you claim to follow Jesus, my hope is that you will see from this passage that we show, we demonstrate, we prove we follow him by getting ourselves ready for his return. And we do this by allowing God's Holy Spirit to carry out his sanctifying work in us. My last third, final brief point is that we should get ourselves ready so that we can get Others ready. I want you to imagine a, a scene for a moment. For some of this, won't, won't be too difficult. But it's ten o'clock on a Sunday morning, and um, we should be leaving the house for church. You're, in, you're, you're observing us in, in in our house, so we're leaving the house for church. And and I say to my I say to my boys, right? Come on, we need to go. Put your coats on. Get your shoes on. Get in the car. Then my wife comes down and she's all ready to go and she starts to help the boys get ready and as she does this she looks up, up at me in amazement. She says, what on earth are you doing? You're telling the boys to get ready, get their shoes on, get in the car but you've just been sat there reading with your coffee in your dressing gown. If you'd actually got yourself ready you could have been helping the boys get ready. Now we're going to be late again. You see i A very good reason why we should get ready for the return of Jesus is so that we can get others ready, so that God can use us in that. It's probably fair to say that our culture is begrudgingly happy with Advent 1.0. In many ways, Advent 1.0 has been reduced to something acceptable and manageable, something nice to sit alongside Father Christmas, a more manageable God. Yet the contrast between Advent 1 and Advent 2.0 could not be starker. In Advent 1.0 the birth of Jesus goes almost unnoticed apart from some shepherds. However at Advent 2.0 everyone will know about the return of Jesus. Chapter 4 verse 16 says this back in 1 Thessalonians. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This will be the arrival to end all arrivals. Everyone will know. It will be awesome and it will be terrifying. It will be awesome for those who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, who trust in his death and resurrection, whose hope is in him, who have got themselves ready, who have been expecting for and praying for his return. Yet sadly, Advent 2.0 will be terrifying for those who have ignored the only means of salvation in Jesus and by doing so have rejected God. Ask yourself this question. Are you excited by the prospect of the return of Jesus or are you hesitant? Be honest with yourself about this. There are many things in life that get in the way of us thinking about the return of Jesus or maybe even looking forward to it. Perhaps it's that we want to live to a good old age or see our grandchildren and get to enjoy our retirement. Or maybe it's we want to experience of much of what this world has to offer. could be going travelling, hopefully getting married, settle down. These things are not wrong in themselves. In fact, they're part of God's goodness and grace towards us. But if we allow the cares of this world to distract from our calling to live as people of faith, love and hope then we are not only going to hamper our relationship with God, but it will diminish the urgency to tell others the good news. To get them ready for his return too. The bottom line is this. If we are not getting ourselves ready for the return of Jesus, then we will not be able to help get others ready either. So to finish, as we come towards Christmas and remember and celebrate the birth of Jesus some 2000 years ago, let's also remind ourselves that Jesus is coming back, that there is a second Advent to look forward to. We get ready for Advent 2.0 because we are a people of hope. Our hope can be and should be built on Jesus, the King who is coming back. We get ready because those who know Jesus get themselves ready. Allow the Holy Spirit process of sanctification to have unfettered access to your whole life? Is there evidence in your life that you are getting ready for Jesus' return? We get ready so that we can get others ready. Does the prospect of Jesus' return excite you or do you find yourself hoping He won't come back anytime soon? God wants to use you to bring others into his kingdom but are you getting yourself ready? So this Christmas, as we look back to the baby in a manger, let's also look forward to the King who is coming back. No one has ever been closer to that moment than you listening to this now. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Amen. Father God, I thank you for your word that is a lamp for our feet. We thank you for sending your son Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. As we look back to that first Advent, may we be reminded of the second Advent we are in now. May we be a people that get ready for the return of the King. We ask, Father God, that you would cause us to be excited by and looking forward to the return of Jesus that we might live as the people you call us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.